John chapter 15 is where we're going to be at. We're going to have a bit of a we're going to have a bit of an introduction today, and then we're actually going to get into the the actual lesson text uh, for today. But the introduction is going to take about about as long as the message will, because we have to build some context. The verse that I wanted us to look at today is a famous verse. Gets used on a lot of memes and. Uh, slideshows around Memorial Day. It comes out of chapter 15, verse 13. And it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So this gets used uh, quite often um, in different contexts. But today, I want us to look at why it's in John chapter 15. There's a reason for this verse in there. And contextually, if you look at what is before it and, and where it comes, it is a powerful statement by our Lord about his coming sacrifice. But we've got to start in verse 1. Uh, we're going to deal with some things in verse 1 through 8, this illustration they use, and then we'll actually get uh, to the, the meat part of the message that I want to share this morning. It started with that verse uh, last week when Ben told me that... Uh, he needed me to fill in for him. He was going to be on vacation. I've known this for a few weeks, but we were, me and Thomas Nays were uh, wrestling with who would do what and when and if Thomas was going to be available or not, and he isn't. He would have been preaching this morning had he been available. But I started the process of working on this message a couple weeks ago because this is one of those verses that gets used a lot on this particular weekend, and I wanted us to look at it in context of John chapter 15. So, the message really doesn't have a title other than we must submit, ab abide, and obey. This is our service for sacrifice. That's kind of the message in a sentence. But let's look in verse 1, and let's look at this. There's some symbols that are used early on here, and we're going to compare those with another thing that Jesus talked about. I am, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, and it may be bear more fruit. So we, we got some symbols in the first part of John chapter 15 that are very important to the understanding of verse 13 that comes down the ways. But we've got three symbols here that are shared. The first symbol is that of the sun. The sun is the true vine. He's declared as that here in John chapter 15. He says it himself, and then he talks about the symbol of his father, and the father is the gardener. So we've got the son being the vine. We've got the father as the vine dresser. And then verses two and three brings in the symbol of how we fit into this illustration of the branch, the vine, and the farmer. And obviously, as believers, we are these branches that are attached to the vine. So the symbols are straightforward. But if you if you think about other times that Jesus used these kind of same symbols it starts to make sense why he would use the vine and the branches. You guys ever heard of the head and the body? In the New Testament, Jesus talks about his church. He's the head of the church. We are the body, and then each one of us serve a different purpose. We have different members. I can't tell. You remember some of those verses. So he uses this different symbols, but in the same mindset. The mindset is we have a living relationship. He could have easily used a, 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 an illustration that would have uh, cast the idea of something that was dead. Listen, we're not here. We're not here for a funeral. He is alive. We have a living relationship. So he uses the idea of the head, the body, and the members. He also uses this illustration of a of a vine, of a of a farmer, and of these 
branches. The vine and the branches are similar to this head and body illustration in other places of the scriptures. But we have a, we have a living relationship. We belong to him. So there are these symbols in the first part of chapter 15. And then we get to this, these steps uh, that are found in verses 2 and 3. Look back at those two verses. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. And then verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking about this idea of pruning here. This is one of the steps. We have the symbols uh, the, the farmer, the vine, and the branches. And now we get into these steps uh, in these next couple of verses. We must submit to pruning. You know, one of the remarkable things about having more than one child is you realize just how different those children are. I don't know if it's naivety when we first start our family to think our kids are going to be similar, but after you have the first one and you have the second one, you realize really quickly they're not similar in any way. They are completely different people. And on display here is this idea of pruning. One child you might be very harsh with. If you guys have had a lot of children, the, the poor firstborn when they always get it. You guys know what I'm talking about, parents. You're, it's an iron fist. You don't really know what you're doing. You're trying to make sure that they understand what you're trying to teach. And with an iron fist, we rule over our firstborn. By time the other ones come, they're like heathens. I mean, they're wild animals. You know you learned some lessons. You know, I made a lot of mistakes raising my two boys. My son, one of them is here today. He could easily stand up and talk about some of the mistakes I made, both parenting and just in general. I'm a sinner. It's hard to live with me. If you have any doubt of that, ask my wife. It is difficult to live with me. But besides the mistakes, the parenting process, the pruning process is important, but it's unique to each child. You, you might be able to criticize or correct harshly with this child, but this one, it takes a whole different approach or they won't respond correctly. Same thing with love. You might love this child in a certain way and you go to hug the other one and they recoil. It's fascinating how different we are. And the farmer knows us all intimately. But make no mistake, we must submit to pruning. If you are going to stay connected to the vine, if you're going to stay in a close relationship with God, you have to make a choice to submit to pruning. And maybe there's some of us in the crowd today that when you were younger or you're young today, and you have a tendency to resist being pruned by mom or dad or a spiritual influencer in your life or somebody else. I mean, none of us like to be told we're wrong. I hate being wrong, to be honest. I really do. I'm wrong almost every day. Once you get married, you realize how wrong you are often. You guys know, okay, a little few giggles out of the guys. A very careful giggles, I noticed, yes. I mean, it's the truth. We're, we're wrong a lot, but we don't like to be. And there's only one thing worse than being wrong, and that is somebody pointing out that you were wrong. You know, I get the privilege to sit on the sidelines at St. Clair with these sporting events, and I've gotten to see all kinds of different coaches in my life. Some of them are very mild. Uh, they, they correct their athletes. They work through the process. They move them forward in the middle of the game. They're very soft-spoken, very gentle. Others break clipboards, throw chairs, scream and holler. 
I mean, it's almost comical sometimes. I try not to laugh while I'm on the sidelines over there. But it, it almost gets to the point where it's like, this is so ridiculous. I mean, it's, it lose their mind, literally, in the middle of a game. A good coach doesn't have to point out what went wrong. Unless they're two or three, four or five years old, little kids in peewee baseball, they know what just happened. And they know the block they missed. They know the person they were supposed to guard. They know they shouldn't have passed it out of bounds. So bringing the kid over and screaming at them about what they just did, they know what they did wrong. Mom and dad, when you blow it inside of the house, the kids know you did something wrong. Your wife knows you did something wrong. And then comes the pruning. And it's not easy. It's not easy for any of us. But you must submit to pruning if you're going to stay with God. God desires for us to be pruned. What an interesting statement here in the first part of chapter 15. There's the symbols, and then there are these steps to staying connected. Now listen, you don't have to stay connected to the vine. We're going to figure that out here in a little bit. If you want to, you can live your life aloof spiritually from your heavenly Father. You can do it. You can disconnect yourself from an intimate relationship with God. You can do it on purpose. But if you want to stay connected, you must submit to pruning. It is part of the process of being attached to the vine. The farmer will prune. Secondly on the steps is this idea that we must abide. Look at verse 4 in chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in in me. And then he goes back into this process of talking about the different symbols, the branches and the vine. But let's look at verse 4 right at the front. This is a request. He is asking you and I to abide with him. We have a choice if we want to have a close relationship with God or not. We get to choose if we stay connected to our intimate life source divine. We've all been in different areas of our life spiritually where things were right between us and God. And then there are other times where things just aren't quite right. He's saying, abide. It is a choice. So we got two steps here. The first one is you must submit to pruning. And the second one is you must abide. You got to stay connected. Is it important that we're here today? Absolutely. Is it important what you do Monday through Saturday to maintain your relationship with God also? Absolutely. You must abide with him. And then we get to some success in verse 7a. I told you the introduction's a little bit long, but it's important to verse 13. So look at verse 7 and 8 for the success. I mean, this is where it gets good. Nonetheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Oh, I went into chapter 16. I did this like 10 times earlier today, so bear with me. We're in chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my God is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now listen, a lot of times us Baptists have a tendency to run from verses like this. I don't want us to run from them, run towards them. 
We're talking about a vine. We're talking about a branch. We're talking about pruning. We're talking about abiding. And he says, if you stay connected to the vine, you have some success in your prayer. Now, why would that be? How would we know what to ask our vine if we're in a branch, if we're not connected to the vine? But if we are connected and we are abiding and we're being pruned properly, we're going to know exactly the direction that God wants in our life. And we're going to be asking for him to bless it and to give us, and he is not going to withhold. This is a treasure of a verse. Now, when we're little kids, sometimes we'll say, Mom, can I do this? Can I do that? Brent might be thinking about going Six Flags this afternoon. Mom might say yes. Mom might say no. He's going to get an answer. If you're connected to the vine, you're going to get an answer. He's promised us that here because we are in a living relationship with him, the branches and the vine. So we got the successes, which is a bountiful fruit in verse 7 and 8. It talks about this opportunity for more fruit, and then it talks about, in verse 8b, the ultimate goal of being a Christian. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we can sum up what it is to be a life of a Christian in the second part of verse number 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. If you desire to have a relationship with God, the end goal, the chief goal is going to be glorifying God, but there is also this element of bearing fruit that is a part of it. I want, I've got two quotes that I'm going to share with you guys today uh, from one of my favorite writers. His name is Warren Wiersbe. Listen to what he says. The, listen, the more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we bear. It makes sense if you're connected to the vine, right? We just talked about this. The more fruit that we bear, the more the Father has to prune us. That makes sense. It's just what we just talked about with the vine and the branches, so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. I mean, this is so good. He says, if we, if we stay connected to the vine, if we abide in him, we will produce uh, increasing amounts of fruit. But listen to what Warren Wiersbe says. So that the pruning is so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. Left to itself, the branch might produce many clusters but they will be inferior in quality. God is glorified by a bigger crop that is also a better crop. It's so good. So rich right here from Warren. I wanted to share it with you guys as we kind of put this together. What does the vine, what does the branches, what does the farmer have anything to do with chapter 15, verse 13? It has everything to do with it. That's why I started in verse 1. Now, when we look at that verse and we pull it out and we stick it on a meme, does it fit a soldier's sacrifice to his country? Absolutely. Does it fit other contexts? Absolutely. But what is he talking about in chapter 15, verse 13? And what does it have to do, if anything, with the vine and the branches and the gardener? It has everything to do with them. And we're going to unpack it here in just a minute. We had to build it. All right. We got the symbols. We got the steps. We got the successes, and now let's turn to verse number 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
the second part of this is the part that I really want to get to today, and that's the idea that we must obey. The first part is we must abide. The whole part of verses 1 through 8 deals with this abiding concept. Then there's this transitional verse in 8, and then 9 begins the process of looking at the fact that we must obey. So he lays out some priorities. This is a system. The first is that the Father loves the Son. When we talk about God's love or the love of Jesus, almost always we talk about his love towards the world or towards us. But here in chapter 15, Jesus talks about this love of the Father towards the Son. Now listen, me and Daryl have a good relationship, all right? I I would probably say in a brotherly way that we love each other. I certainly respect Daryl. He's one of my heroes. He is is doing it. I tell him that often. You're, You're doing it. I mean, four kids running a business. He is in the thick of it. Him and his sweet wife are doing an outstanding job raising a family in very difficult times. I love him, but I don't love him like a father loves a son. It just so happens that his father's here today. I know Daryl well, but I don't know him as well as these two people. And there is a unique love between a father and a son. I've got two boys. I'm proud of both of them. They both have unique gifts. They are real champions in some areas of their lives, and then they struggle in others. It's the battle of a parent bringing out the good and trying to restrict the things that will hurt them. It's interesting that Jesus spends some time here talking about the Father's love for the Son. Almost all the context of the Scripture is talking about how God loves the world and others. But in this moment, Jesus talks in a very intimate way about the love of his Father to him. It is unique. And then it says in verse 9, second part of it, that, that the Son loves loves us. And then he makes a request in verse 11 that we abide in love. At first, it was just a symbol. It was a concept in the first, first eight verses. He's talking about the fact that we need to abide, and now he fleshes out what that looks like to abide. He says to abide in love. So the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the believers, and then the believer is to love others. Look, look at verse 12. This is awesome. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, Dr. Hooks is always talking about this idea of love being a relationship. It's a choice. So how can we be commanded to love if it's a choice? It's a great question I was asking myself this week as I prepared, because we're fleshly. If left to ourselves, we would much rather deal with each other with a lack of love than with love. Just as it is a choice to abide in the vine, it is a choice for you and I to love one another. But as a good father would do, he says, even if you don't want to, this is important. I command you to love one another. So we have these priorities in the first part of chapter 15, verse 9, kind of through 12. And then we have this verse Verse number 15. Look what it says. No longer, well, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. Let's look at the next verse after that. You are my friends if you do whatever I commanded you. So let's put some context to this famous verse that gets used for all kinds of different purposes than the context it is. Verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 15, after we've listed the priorities of love, he shares with us the proof of love. He's getting ready to sacrifice himself on the cross. And before he goes, he says, there is no greater expression of love than to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he tells us who his friends are. This is so good. Now listen, guys, in life, we can purchase a lot of things. I have cars and houses. I have toys. I have lots of women's shoes in my home. Clothes. She's got a new outfit on today. I just noticed it when she walked in. I'm like, when did you get that? Well, just a little while ago. I mean, we can go out. I mean, it might bounce. We could write a check for anything right now. If you gave me a million dollars in cash, I could spend it in 10 minutes. I got a place I'm looking at right now. It's hundreds of acres. I could spend, just like that, I could spend it. Can't buy more time. You can't. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is and what you've got put away. At the end of the day, it's the only resource that we don't get more of. We don't have any ability to control that. If you don't, if you don't understand that, you wait till one of your kids get hurt you'll realize really quick you're completely out of control. You have no control of this life. You don't have any control over your days either. So let us remind ourselves today of this great truth. There is no greater sacrifice than for us to spend our greatest treasure on those that we consider our friends. Jesus is going to pay the ultimate price here in a little bit, and then he identifies who his friends are. There is proof here in verse 15, of what Jesus will do for his disciples. It's a choice. And he is going to choose to love them, even at the cost of his own life. The scripture identifies several different baskets of people. Some of them are enemies, and some of them are followers, and some of them are disciples, and some of them are friends. The scripture says that he laid down his life for his friends. And then look at this here in verse number 14 and 15. <laughs> you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. What Jesus now does for his disciples I mean, these two verses right here are such good news if you're a Christian and if you're attached to the vine and if you're abiding and you're following his commandments, you get a couple of tremendous promises. The branches will bear permanent fruit because you're his friend. And then he lets us in on his secrets. You got a friend that they know everything about you. You spend special time with that person. He turns to his disciples right before he gets ready to say goodbye. This is the starting process of this process. And he says the greatest love is to lay down one's life for a friend. We probably will never have a gun to our head in this great nation. 
but we do have a choice every day to spend some of our most valuable resources on those that we consider our friends. And then he identifies us as his friends. <laughs> Not just what he will do in the future to sacrifice himself for us to the disciples, but he, he looks into the future to you and I, and he says, this is what I'm going to do for you if you're my friend. I'm going to teach you things. You're going to get the secrets of the kingdom, the key, literal keys to the kingdom. I will not hold anything back from those that I consider a friend. What a treasure we have from the Lord right here in this verse. A promise that he will not only not leave us alone, a promise that he will sacrifice himself, but a promise that he will let us in on what the Father has told him. Now I told you this unique love of the Father to the Son, and now we find out this unique position of the Son towards us. He's not going to hold something back from us. What good Father would. So we have the proof, and now verse 16 and 17, we have a couple of promises, and we'll be done with this simple message. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. There is what is going to take place. There is no mistake. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are abiding in him, you will bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. This is a fruit a permanent fruit. If you give, sacrificially give, while you're connected to the vine, the scripture says that the fruit that you produce as a Christian will last forever. You can literally have an impact far beyond your years if you're willing to keep yourself attached to the vine, you're willing to submit to pruning, God can use the fruit that you produce as a permanent fruit. What a treasure. We have the privilege of abiding, but we have the responsibility of bearing fruit. And then look at verse 16, latter part, and the rest of 17. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Once again, this reminder that our prayers will be answered. So how close are we? This is invitation time. Just for a moment, let's turn towards ourselves personally. How close, how close are we? If we're going to use the illustration today of a vine and the branches and fruit, are you making a choice to stay connected to the vine? Or is there something now in the way of that relationship being fruitful? In John chapter 15, we're, we're taught a, a valuable but harsh lesson. We can deliberately disconnect ourselves. Not in an eternal way. I'm not talking about losing our salvation. He tells us that we are sealed until the day of redemption. I'm talking about an intimate relationship with the Lord, one that will bear permanent fruit, one that's willing to be pruned. Where are you right now? Are you resisting the pruning of the Lord in your life? Are you going to produce fruit either way? Yes. But is the quality of your fruit keeping up with the quantity? Are you willing to make adjustments right now in this moment 
if his Holy Spirit puts his finger on something? Are you willing to be pruned today? And are you making a choice to abide? How attentive are we to his commands? He says, if you abide in me, you will keep my commands. How attentive are we today towards his commands? And isn't it worth our time just for a moment to look out at the branches and ask, is there any fruit at all on our branches? Are you bearing any fruit? I want to encourage you today, if you've come in here disconnected, you can choose to abide. You can choose to quit resisting. It's pruning. And you can make an adjustment today that will reconnect you right back to the life-giving vine. And he tells us to do that. And if we will, he'll bless us with answered prayers, with permanent fruit, and with a friendship that only one person can give us in this life. Maybe you're here today and you're connected and you look out on those long branches in your life and they're full of, full of fruit. Are you sharing it with others? At the end of the day, the purpose of our lives as Christians is to bring glory to God. What better way to do that than for us to pour ourselves out and hand our fruit out as often as we can? This life of a Christian is one of toil and difficulty, but one of great joy if we stay connected to the vine. Lord, we thank you today for this opportunity together. What a, what a powerful section of your scripture today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would use it in each one of our individual hearts the way that you desire. A heavenly Father will not and does not look to every kid and treat them the same. There are some of us in here today that are literally, we are struggling. And there are others of us that have branches full of fruit. And there are some of us today that have branches full of fruit, but we're not sharing it. I pray, God, no matter where we're at, right now in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that we might bring you glory in our decision today, that that decision will cause us to desire to abide with you, and we will be amazed, God, no matter what position we came in, the fruit that you can produce, that permanent fruit out of our lives, if we will stay connected. Work in our hearts today during invitation time. In Christ's name, amen. You can please stand, use this invitation however you see fit. If you're here today and you're lost, you can be saved. Scripture says that you need to admit, you must confess, you must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him you're willing just to say today God I know that I'm a sinner but I I believe that when you died on the cross you died for me and I ask you God to forgive me of my sins and I want to be in a relationship with you I want to abide 
God, I, I want you to prune me so that I can bear the permanent fruit, a life that still gives even after this life is over. for a minute let's not let's not just get caught up in the the singing and make sure that we're doing business with God right now sometimes sometimes that's what I do in order not to deal with what God's working on in my heart I, I can block him out just just by going through the motions we we don't want to get into habits that cause us not to listen when he's talking so in just for a few moments let's let's focus in on whether or not we are abiding. And if not, let's get that straightened out right now. Reconnect. And let's deal with the idea of whether or not we are obeying. Are God's commandments important to you? And are you following them? And lastly, let's look at this idea of great success. Look at your branches. You've got a heavenly father that, that wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to have an impact that lasts beyond your physical life. And he wants you to impact as many people as possible with both the inward and outward fruit. But are you bearing fruit? If you're not, it's just a simple reconnection is all it's going to take because it's a, it's a natural thing that happens. Fruit will come if we stay connected to the vine. God, we're thankful today for your word in our hearts. We pray, God, that you would use it individually wherever we're at right now, and you know where that is. For us that you call friends, God, thank you for the great gift that you've given us of listening to us and answering our prayers and certainly not holding back those things that would better our lives. You are the giver of all good gifts. And, God, we glorify you today. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. If I can have somebody go down and get the kids out of kids' time, it doesn't, doesn't matter who. I just would like to bring them up. There's a short video at the end. Uh, praise team, you can have a seat. We'll dismiss a little bit differently today. I'm going to turn our attention just for a few moments now to this special weekend. Once a year, we celebrate Memorial Day. 
And for some, it is an opportunity to get away after a long school year, and, and many of us will cook outside over this weekend. But there are some things that I want to make sure that we don't forget. You know, it seems like it's not being taught very often anymore, so I'm going to take a moment, just about 30 seconds here. If you see a hearse going down the road and there's people behind it with their flashers on, you're supposed to pull to the side of the road. It seems like it's not being taught anymore. When I was a kid, it was very abnormal for you to see someone to continue to drive when a hearse come by. I think it's just a lack of understanding of what we're doing. You may not know the person. Many times I don't, and I've lived in this community for 45 years. What is the purpose of that? You are recognizing that an image bearer of God has passed away. They are special because God declares them to be special. And the people following behind that initial car is hurting. It is the least that we can do just for a few moments of our life, a moment that we will not get back. It is time that is worth giving to. I recognize, even though I don't know that person, that they are an image bearer of God. And for a brief moment, just for a brief moment in that day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize that there's somebody grieving, and I want them to see that I see their grief. That's why we pull over. And I want to encourage you, young drivers, maybe mom or dad hasn't taught you that. It seems like the, the worst uh, offenders are not young people, because I look at the drivers when they go by. It doesn't take very long to pull over. And it doesn't take very long as a nation to remember. You know, once a year we take some time on this weekend to recognize those that have sacrificed the full measure of their life, so that we might enjoy our lives today. They not only gave up the life that they had, they gave up the life that would have been for others. A hot dog barbecued in the backyard this weekend is a lavish expense. A hot dog. The price of watching a parade is exorbitant. An admission to the National Memorial Day concert on the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol is incalculable. Freedom has been bought and it's been paid for. It has been secured and we maintain it through the blood of those that are willing to love their friends, many of them that they would vehemently disagree with on many different issues. But they have sacrificed themselves because they love their friends. There are several things that we should remind ourselves of today. Veterans gave up their time for you. It doesn't take long to pull over on the side of the road when a funeral casket goes by. It also doesn't take very long this weekend to just stop and remember that there was somebody else that gave some of their life for you. And in particular, on this weekend, they gave the full measure as a sacrifice to our nation. Veterans gave their lives for us. It is important 
at least once a year that we stop in this great nation and remember the sacrifices of those young boys and girls who will not come home, whose parents must grieve, whose widow and widower must grieve, whose kids must grow up without parents because they gave the full measure towards their nation. The veterans gave their lives for you and the veterans gave their health for you. Today we celebrate those that gave the full measure, but many of our veterans come home unlike the way that they left home on that day. Many of them have given up their health for you that still do remain with us. It is important that we remember their sacrifice. The young man who had gone to war many times comes home much differently than he went. The young woman that left to put the uniform on comes home differently than the way that they left. And we need to take time to remember them. World War II, many of our veterans from this war have now all passed away. But surely we are true benefactors of those great sacrifices. That I can vote in a presidential election and not bend my knee to Hirohita's grandson is a testament to the enduring work of those that served during that war. That I can enjoy my weekend with my wife instead of sweating in a Third Reich factory as a product of the Allied triumph. We should stop and remember. This week I've spent a lot of time trying to get ready to formulate my comments. And there are many nations in our nation's history that have underestimated us and they have all been wrong. Our nation is strong. Our freedoms are worth fighting for. And shall we at least once a year stop to remember those that have given the full measure of their life so that we might enjoy this life that we have as a free nation. We all saw the pictures when our military pulled out of Afghanistan and the people literally from that country clang to an aircraft seeking freedom. May we never forget as a nation what we have with the freedoms that we so easily forget. But let us enjoy them today as fruits of the labor of those that have given the full measure of their lives. Let us not forget, and may it not only be this weekend, but every weekend for the rest of our lives. We owe a debt to those that have served willingly and unwillingly, but all faithfully. Their service was honorable. Their death was honorable. And those that have come home broken, we have a requirement as a nation to help them in any way we can. May it never happen again as a nation what happened to those that come home from Vietnam. We need to remember that. They went because we asked them to. And when they come home, they should be 
taken care of. So just for a moment before we leave today, let us rise. I have a short video. Let us remember today their sacrifice.